right, wonderful to see all of you back here this evening. Let's turn to John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3, we'll be reading from this good uh, passage this evening, John chapter 3. This morning, I spoke about how the Israelites, many, rejected Jesus as the Christ. Paul was handling this issue with the church at Rome, helping them to see and understand why and how eternally valuable Jesus Christ was. His redeeming power, that even though many, even those who should have accepted Him as the Savior through the prophecies, through their own teachings, yet did not. But now even that be the case, Christ is still the Savior of the world, and many still obey Him even today. Well, in John chapter 3, we read of a Pharisee who actually did understand the value of Jesus. And whenever you don't fully understand something or comprehend it or everyone around you is saying, oh, that's not true or, or that's not real, Nicodemus here in John chapter 3 shows us how one can step out from the crowd and say, I am going to find out for myself. Because ultimately, your soul is your responsibility. We each have responsibility to one another, no doubt about it. We each have a responsibility to look out for one another, for we are our brothers and sisters' keeper. However, whenever you stand before the judgment seat, before eternity begins and this world comes to an end, you will answer for your one and only so. Let's look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus did not allow family pressure, political pressure, religious pressure to cloud his mind. He saw what Jesus has done and, the, and the, the miracles he had been conducting, and he goes and confesses and, and addresses him as rabbi, also translated teacher, addresses him as rabbi and says, we know that you have come from God. Well, there were many Pharisees who looked at Jesus with great contempt. Nicodemus and perhaps others like him saw Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecy, the one who has come to save man from his sins. And Nicodemus looked at him and said, Rabbi, and he wants to know more about what Jesus has to teach. It's interesting, the start of verse 2, that he came to Jesus by night perhaps wanting to keep this a tad secret. We read about Nicodemus two other times throughout Scripture. Um, once in, where's my note here, in chapter 7, where he is experiencing life as a Pharisee, where he is engaging with the Pharisees, but is still, though, confident in who Jesus is. And also again in chapter 19, where he appears to actually be a committed disciple of Jesus. 
Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? No, of course not. But what Jesus is trying to convey to Nicodemus, and Jesus being the master teacher, is trying to speak to Nicodemus in words that he understands, as all great teachers should. And when someone was an Israelite, how did they become an Israelite? They were simply born. For it's a lineage. It's a family lineage. And that's why people had to be taught they were Israelites. Christians don't have to be taught they're Christians. Why? Because they are one. When you become one, you don't have to be taught that you are because you already are one. But the Israelites, you have to be taught how to become one, of course. But the Israelites, they were born Jewish. And so as they grew, they had to go to school, they had to learn about what it was to be an Israelite, had to learn about their history. So their birth was, as I talked about this morning, was very important to them. But Jesus tells this Pharisee, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Pretty fantastic thing to say. Nicodemus is puzzled. Well, how, how can this happen? This, this seems impossible my Lord. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here Jesus is giving a few more clues as to what he means exactly. You've got to be born again. Well, how does that work? Nicodemus wonders. And Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, Nicodemus, I know you were, you were born an Israelite. You were born a Jew. Guess what? You're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to be born by the water and by the Spirit. Otherwise, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Otherwise, you cannot be saved unless you are born of the water and the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That was the birth that Nicodemus, all of us experienced. Birth of the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. I think at this point, Nicodemus is, is, is starting to understand. So this is a, it's a spiritual rebirth. I get it. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. It's a spiritual, uh, it's a spiritual metaphor. It's a spiritual issue that Jesus is trying to convey here. Don't be amazed that I told you this. For the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from. And where it is going. We see the wind. We experience the wind. We know that it is there. We do not question it. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The disciples, as Jesus taught them, were confused by a great many things as Jesus tried to teach them and lead them to becoming the apostles they would later on become. Well, here Nicodemus is, or Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus what it means to be born again. To be born of the water and of the Spirit. Water is used a great deal in a variety of ways in Scripture. Jesus references living water in John chapter 7. And in Ephesians 5 and verse 26, it says here that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. So, water is used in a variety of ways in Scripture. So, what does it mean here? What does it mean here by 
being born of the water and the Spirit. Much like Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, it is referring to baptism. He who has believed and is baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, we see example after example of people becoming Christians through baptism, being born again. We know in, in, in the book of Romans that baptism is similar. It is a, a, a direct parallel even to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as we raise up to be a new person whenever we come out of that watery grave of baptism. And later on in this chapter of John chapter 3, Jesus Himself is baptized and is essentially born again to follow and to set an example for all of us to follow. Nicodemus and the Jewish people were waiting for their Messiah. And they had a difficult time accepting that Jesus was it. For the Pharisees and other Jews believed themselves to be changed already by the power of God. So why would they need to do anything different? That was the difficult thing for them to accept. Once you believe you have arrived, spiritually speaking, why would you need to learn anything else? But here Jesus tells one directly, for being born again means starting over. Imagine if you were born again physically. You would have to start all over again being born again spiritually, you get to start all over again. It's as though you've never sinned in all of your life, for Christ has wiped away those sins from your life. Well, I really want us to look at this evening for us to learn about what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. For what does it mean to be born again? First off, one who is born again is redeemed. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood. We are redeemed. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. One of the things that happens with your friends, co-workers, family members is a lack of forgiveness. Here, Paul is tell the, telling the church at Ephesus, you know, in Christ we have redemption. We can be forgiven. A lot of people want to seek out this level of forgiveness because it's so empowering. Many people just stay angry and mad with each other all the time. And there is no, no forgiveness offered. You know, that's something I feel like we don't talk about enough in school. We talk a lot about other things, about a lot of good things in schools. But forgiveness, a lot of times, is not brought up. I believe it probably should be. For students are all the time doing evil things, doing bad and mischievous uh, things to one another. So this forgiveness is something... We should all long for being forgiven of our past sins. Because it is sin that alienates us from one another as we commit sin against one another, but especially it alienates us from God. For our iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. If you have sin in your life, it pushes you further and further away from God. And the penalty for this sin is spiritual death. We know of this from Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ paid this penalty though. And we've been redeemed. Because we can't be perfect. We can't live perfect lives. As I've you know, looked in Scripture over the years, you know, sometimes you might get the idea, well, you have to be perfect. That idea scares me. 
scares me a great deal that I have to be perfect. Got enough pressure on us already. Got enough pressure for us to perform and to be and, and to act a certain way. The last thing any of us need is to be perfect. So I want God's redeeming grace so that I don't have to be. Not, not so I can go sin and do whatever I want to. Not that at all. But rather so that I know I can be forgiven at the end of the day. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were redeemed with precious blood. Something that's worth a great deal more than silver or gold. We were redeemed, we were forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb unblemished and spotless. So those who are born again, those who become Christians, they are redeemed. Next, when someone is born again, they become an heir. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. We become a part of God's family. We become a part of that group of people that can look to Christ and we can say that we are heirs with Christ. We can be redeemed. We can be forgiven. We can take on all of the spiritual blessings offered to the family of God because we have been born again. Starting anew, starting fresh. The born again, those who are Christians, realize their unique relationship with God as children. Galatians 4 6 and 7, because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The word Abba here is an endearment term. It's one that you would use personally with God. We are crying, Abba, Father, because we're not slaves, but rather we're a son. We're not people that are, that are hired on, but rather we are an heir through God. It's a tremendous connection there. We get, to, we get to sit at His table. We get to share with His blessings. We get to speak to Him. We get to, we get to talk to Him on a regular basis. You know, you probably have many friends in your life that you don't necessarily talk to on a regular basis, but hopefully your family, those you get along with, hopefully you talk to them a great deal because you're connected with them, because you hold an endearment with them, because you have that, that intimate connection. And that's what's trying to be conveyed here. We're, we're also often taught throughout Scripture that, that we are adopted as children of God. God. God chose us to love us. My nephew adopted a little girl from Florida, a beautiful little girl. And she is a part of that family now with, with all the benefits of, of Sam, who looks a lot like me, and of uh, their, their new one that will be around in a few months. And it's because of that that we can see how much God loves us because you know he reached, my nephew reached out and he and his wife wanted to adopt this little girl and perhaps you've adopted or fostered children and you've reached out to those children and, and you've made that connection with them. And it's important. You become an heir. That means something. Not a slave, but a son, a daughter. Born-again Christians also continue to sin. As I said before, we're not perfect. We're not ever going to be perfect. We're not going to live perfect, sinless lives. 
1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 talks to us about how even though we're heirs, we'll still mess up. Even though we're connected with God, even though we've been redeemed by the redeeming and forgiving power of the blood of Jesus Christ, even though that has happened, we are still human. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we're all sinners. We all do sin from time to time. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word is not in us. So even though we're heirs, you know, we might think, oh, I, I've sinned, I'm going to get kicked out of the house. You know, mom, dad finds out about something, they're going to, they're going to disown me. You know, I have kids tell me that a lot. If they find out, they're, they're going to kick me out. Some have been kicked out. But with God, he, He's not going to kick you out. He's not going to tell you to leave. He's going to wonder, why did you leave me? Why did you start sinning? Why did you do these things? But with that in mind, we have forgiveness of sins. Chapter 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. The word here, cleanses, is in the present tense, thus meaning always cleansing. Constantly cleansing, or continually cleansing. Too many people look at their lives, at their Christian lives, as a scoreboard. At the end of the day, did they do more good than bad? At the end of the day, are they, are they ahead of Satan? Looking to themselves and, and what they do. Looking to the scoreboard, am I still winning? Yeah, I'm still winning because I, I did all these perfect things. I did all these exact things and, and I, I sinned three times, I'm pretty sure, and I asked God to forgive me of those things. And so those three things and the five things that I did good and asked for forgiveness, then, I, then I'm good. I'm good. How many sins have you committed that you did not specifically repent of? Probably many. You probably pray even right now to forgive you of the sins that you're not aware of uh, just to make sure you're ahead of the game. Just to make sure that that score, that that scoreboard says that you're in the lead. That's you doing it. What does, what does this, this passage say? That God is willing to forgive us. The, the original language is a continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. It constantly cleanses. It doesn't just cleanse you one time and you got to hope that over the next 30, 40, 50 years that you're, that you're winning the game of being okay, of being, of being well in Christ. You don't have to worry about that because there is a continual, a constant cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ regularly. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Dale, people could go on sinning, and indeed they could. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But those who are born again, they are heirs, they are sons of God, daughters of God. Also, one who is born again is reformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's brand new. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You lived this old life. 
you live this old way of life, sinning, living as you did, doing those things you know you shouldn't but didn't care. But then when you're born again, you've learned, you see. You've learned about the things you have to do away with. You've learned about how you need to be and how you need, how you need to act better. Those who are born again, though, who continue in their old ways are deceiving themselves as they continue to sin, as they go, go about and continue on doing what they think they, they think they can do because, ah, well, Jesus, you know, He's going to forgive me. It doesn't work that way. Grace does not work that way. Paul addresses this in Ephesians. He addresses this. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. We can't continue in sin. Why? Because we are reformed. We're a new people. You don't have to be perfect but you do have to take and consider the fact that you have a responsibility to try to not be living in sin. For the born-again person forsakes sin. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. You ever bought something? High dollar item, maybe a really nice TV. Really nice TV or, or some other electronic. You want to buy the insurance policy? It's where they make most of their money. I tend not to buy it, but sometimes I'm looking at that TV. I'll drop it before I get it to the car. It'd be nice to have that insurance policy, wouldn't it? Well, you see, the, the insurance policy here is Jesus Christ, and His blood is constantly redeeming us. But we also, though, can't look at it as an insurance policy thinking, well, I've got that, so I can treat the television however I want. I can treat my soul however I want. Why? Because Jesus, He's going to continually cleanse me. It doesn't work that way. Romans chapter 6, verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. That's one of the things that sin does. It makes you a slave. Sin makes you a slave. God wants you to follow Him. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to, to do what He teaches. He wants you to do all of those things. But the human mind says, I want to live how I want to, and I'll just ask for forgiveness later. But Paul tells the Romans here, do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey its lust. We know, they knew then, that if you let sin reign in your body, it's going to, it's going to push Jesus out. It's going to push Him out if you keep letting that sin just stay there. And do not go on representing the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So you can't, you can't become a new person and then think, hey, I'm going to live however I want because you've got to be an instrument of righteousness. Don't let sin reign in your life. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under law but are under grace. He mentions it here too. May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. You are reformed. So you're taking on a new life. And you want to walk in that newness of life as we read in chapter 6. In verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You want to throw off those muddy boots. You want to start walking a clean new life, following God as He instructs. 
Also, one who is born again is born free, is a, is a free individual. John chapter 8 and verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, who everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. That's what we're trying to get across here. Don't let sin rule in your body. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. You see, slaves, they would come in the house, they would do work, but it was only the son who could stay there. It was only the heir. It was only the, the one who had a direct connection to the master of the house could actually stay in the house. The slave could not stay in the house. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So what do we do when we become a new person, when we are born again? Well, we are free. We're free to live as we wish in accordance to Scripture. For the blessings certainly are there. But many who profess to be born again, they remain bound by social pressure, <clears throat> by the opinions of their friends, and, and they're not free. They're not free at all. They're bowing down to those pressures, to what they see on the internet, to those things that, so that they can fit in. Our, our teenagers are, are very susceptible to this. They're not free. They, they've got to dress a certain way. They've got to act a certain way. They, they oftentimes have to talk a certain way. You're not free if you're trying to please all those people around you that do not care about your soul, that, that will not answer for you in eternity. You're not free if you're, if you're bowing down to them. You can't, you can't hold on to God with one hand and the world with the other. This is impossible, yet many try to do that. You're not free because you're, you're trying that balancing act, you see. I've got to do enough good, I, I want to be able to do bad too, or, or I'll lose my friends. Jesus says, throw those shackles off. Throw those shackles of sin off. For it is when we make a total commitment to God that we are made free from the bondage of sin. Because you will definitely be a slave to that sin. It will make you do things you thought you never would. But what does being obedient to Christ do? It makes you free and it makes you think, man, I didn't think I could be this happy. I didn't think I could be this joyous or, or, or this complete. But because I follow Christ, I find love and joy in those matters. Galatians 5 and verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. We don't see yokes very often around here, maybe in an antique store. We have tractors now, thankfully. But whenever farmers would plow their fields, they would put a yoke around the oxen or around the bulls or whatever might be pulling the plow. And that yoke... Would, would harness that, the power that was there and they could plow the field very easily. But it's hard and difficult work. Very difficult work. And whenever you are giving your life over to sin, you're probably having to lie about things. You're probably having to keep things secret. You're probably having to keep things hidden from those that, that you know if, if they found out about your sin, they'd be devastated. You're not free if you're having to hide the sin in your life. Christ will set you free. And He'll help you get out of those sins that have you tied to a yoke of slavery. Finally, one who is born again will receive blessings. 
Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We are here this evening because we want to take care of our spiritual lives. There are physical reasons for being here. If you're sick, we'll pray for you. There are emotional, social reasons. You know, I love talking to all of you. We get to connect with one another through our, through our small community here. But at the end of the day, whenever you leave, I hope that you have received spiritual blessings. I hope that the lessons that I bring, that others bring, and the classes, other speakers who get up here, the singing, the Lord's Supper, the prayer, I hope you are being fed spiritually. For if you are born again and you are a Christian, you will be blessed with those spiritual blessings. And we all know that also, not all rewards are in this present life. We read in Revelation 2 and verse 10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days, but be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Sometimes we struggle and, and suffer on this earth and we wonder where our blessings are. We wonder sometimes how this is supposed to work because life can be very difficult. But I'd rather it be difficult with Christ. And I would rather know that I have a crown of life waiting for me in heaven someday because I chose to be born again, because I chose to leave sin out of my life, and because I chose to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and be a faithful Christian that John writes about in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. If you're not a Christian this evening, come forward tonight. Let us baptize you and be born again. Or if you have since faltered, since you were a Christian, and you've gotten off that path, let us pray for you tonight. If you need forgiveness in that manner, please come now as we stand and sing.